Welcome to Synergy Mindset Coaching, the community and podcast designed to inspire your mindset and help you take daily action towards your goals and achieve your dreams. I am your host, Gina Johnson. Life is full of twists and turns and ups and downs, and for our guest today, there has been no exception. He shares the story of his life from being raised by a single mother on welfare to becoming an unfulfilled millionaire. He tells us how he bought a Porsche 911, a home, and became a millionaire only to realize the vision that he had created for his life didn't include happiness. Through his journey to find what success is to him in helping others and happiness, he shares how he was able to create a deep and meaningful vision that included helping kids that are entrepreneurs. Join me as he shares the story of his life and his vision and what's to come in the future, as well as some ways for you to also create the life of your dreams. Without any further ado, please welcome Jeff Hughes to the show. Welcome to Synergy Mindset Coaching. Today, I'm here with Jeff Hughes, who has an inspiring story to share with you. He made well over a million dollars before he was able to overcome the mindset that just left that something's missing in his life. He's going to share the story of his struggles. He was raised by a single mom who was living on welfare, and he was able to go out and just make a huge impact in the world. And he is here today to share his story. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks, Gina, for having me on the show. Well, thanks for being here. Could you start by telling everyone just a little bit about yourself, fill in the blanks about your life today so they can get to know you? Sure. Today, I'm a internet marketer um, slash uh, awareness provider. That's how I would like to, uh, I guess, put myself in, 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 I guess, if you were to put a label on it. Um, and yeah, I did. Uh, I grew up in a, in a small city in in Ontario, actually Brantford, Ontario, with a single mom on welfare, um, who really didn't have a lot of the skills to to raise a child. And uh, let's just say I was rebellious, to say the least. Um, I was lost. I wasn't sure. I actually found, I guess, solace in playing sports. So I found myself playing a lot of sports, athletics, basketball football, track, all that kind of stuff like that to get myself out of the house and to create something for myself and compete. I was highly competitive. I grew up in a less than ideal household and let's just say by the time I was uh, 15 years old, um, I dropped out of school. So grade 10, I dropped out and uh, I decided I'd take my very first entrepreneur trip. But uh, it wasn't the ideal entrepreneur trip, let's say the least. I uh, I actually ended up on the street selling drugs. (laughs) There I was selling drugs on the street, kind of lost, um, sleeping in and out of cars. At one point, actually ended up in a in a group home, then got kicked out of there, and uh, made my way to Vancouver Island. My mom ended up getting cancer, and uh, ended up in Vancouver Island, living there again. And uh, yeah, I started on my journey of construction. Basically, I I was a drywaller, and uh, then I ended up meeting my now ex-wife who had a four-month-old um who later on down the road obviously I adopted him and he's my son and uh we started a family but I struggled I struggled a lot in my relationships and struggled with uh jobs part of me was super competitive so being that type of person that was competitive 
I strived for greatness um, with results. I was a I was a great employee and a bad employee all at once because I was really good at sales and I was always a top producer, but I also had a terrible attitude and let's just say I was toxic to the other employees um, because I was so competitive and because I was looking for outward validation to um, make myself make myself feel good. So I bounced around from job to job. I've probably been through mm, at least 15 different jobs throughout uh, from my 20s till now, and uh, anywhere from selling shoes, cellular phones, uh, even made a trip to selling robots <laughs> um, in the USA, driving around selling people uh, CCTV robots. And uh, but this whole time through my journey. I was constantly playing this loop, as I would call it. I kept destructive, being destructive in all places, every single relationship. Um, my marriage was um, atrocious, and finally, we ended up at a spot where we were gonna we were gonna split up. So I was uh, out of the house and obviously under. Uh, an intense amount of emotional distress. So I decided to uh, try and find something for a fix. There I was, distraught. Somebody had told me about personal development and this, this company called Landmark Forums. So I went looking for my first session, as I like to call it, the blue pill. I wanted the blue pill. So I went to this Landmark Forums session and I got there and... I didn't know what to expect. I remember signing the documents for the first time and it said, um, if you have any mental problems or you're going through any emotional distress, we, we don't suggest you go through this without a doctor's note. And if you sign this, you're waiving, you're signing a waiver. Mm -hmm. So I went to it and, uh, it was an eye opener because for the first time ever, I learned what perspective was, meaning <laughs> what, what Jeff's, Jeff's perspective, Jeff's perspective wasn't everything <laughs> for the first time. I, uh, I seen that. Yeah. And I left there with more knowledge. Let's just put it that way. A different understanding, a conscious knowledge. And I'll share that with you when I say conscious knowledge later on. I ended up going home and I remember feeling really, really good. I took all the information that they gave me and I was all excited about how I was going to apply all this to my life and the world was going to change. And uh, what I found was less than a week later, the blue pill wore off. And I ended up back to the same thing, same attitude, uh -huh. same, same destructive ways. And I remember I was just, I was so distraught and my whole goal when I was a young child, I made a, I made a, I had an idea or a thought that I was going to be a millionaire and my very first car was going to be a, a Porsche 911 turbo. And later on the route, down the road, I figured out what my driving force was. So there's a reason I bring that up. So I remember from the time I started with my ex-wife and I was going from job to job to job to job, my income kept going up and up and up and up and up and up and up. And then finally my last job, I was working for the now deceased Can Pages. They were the alternative to Yellow Pages and I was an outbound salesperson. And I, I would be considered in the sales world a rock star, but you know how I show up one way is how I show up every way. So the same thing happened. Terrible attitude. Bosses loved the sales, but uh, they hated my attitude. 
and um, the writing was on the wall. I knew I knew that the Yellow Pages was not going to be um, the place to go. I mean, I didn't even remember the last time, even when I was working for them, I never even looked at the Yellow Pages. So there I was selling crazy amounts of advertising yeah. and not believing in it. And I made more money than I ever made in my life. I mean, for me, coming from where I was, making $150,000 a year, that was a lot of money. And uh, throughout this time, uh, I sh should peel back two years earlier, I actually ended up going bankrupt. I ended up, ended up making all this money, and I just wasn't happy. I was playing the same thing again, pushing on the management, pushing on everyone mm -hmm. that I wanted more and more and more because every time I hit a new peak, it was never good enough. And so I quit, and then I tried my second bout of becoming an entrepreneur. And uh, the second bout of being an entrepreneur was a legal one. <laughs> So I took my information, I learned a little bit about internet marketing and stuff like that, and uh, I found an angel investor who believed in me where I thought I would uh, start a daily deals company. So I thought, well, Groupon's making all this money, I can just do it. But I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I, had, I, had no, I, had no, <laughs> I had no processes, I had no systems, I didn't know anything. I knew that I could talk to a whole bunch of businesses and I could sell them stuff. But there's a lot more to business than than just that. And I put my nose to the grind. I ended up finding someone on Upwork. We built up this daily deals website. I knew nothing about HTML. I knew nothing about any of that stuff. Found a lawyer to build me contracts. Got a website built and uh, put my nose to the grind. And I ran it around. I didn't know what KPIs were. I didn't know what accounting was. I didn't know any of this stuff. But I was willing to fail forward. And uh, I learned a real big lesson. Um, not having systems, processes, not knowing what KPIs were, not knowing any of that stuff, I wasn't making any money. <laughs> and as good as I was at sales, if I didn't have a proper strategy in place and processes in place, uh, I had no way of tracking margins, nothing. So the business, let's just say, was ready to fall apart. So this is the point when I remember back when I was in the cell phone world, um, there was a guy who was... He used to come into the store regularly. I uh, worked at Freedom 55. as was just a young kid, and he was in internet marketing. And I remember back then when I was at the store, somebody told me one day, they're like, hey, for all intents and purposes, we'll say the name's Joe. Have you seen Joe lately, what he's doing? And, uh, of course, I took a look on Facebook, and as I'm scrolling through, I'm like, this guy's driving exotic cars. He's in penthouse. He's in Vegas. He's everywhere. And the word... The, the buzzword was internet marketing. And I remember sitting there and my instant, my instant feel was envy. And then from there, I created a story in my head how he's probably just ripping people off, right? Because there's no way that he could actually be successful and not me. So to make myself feel better, I had to put him down. Mm -hmm. So um, fast forward years later, I finally decided to make a decision to reach out to the guy because it just kept looping over and over and over again that this guy was making tons of money. And coincidentally, and I truly believe this, everything happens for a reason. Coincidentally, when I actually reached out to him, he was, of all things, starting a daily deal company, but in Vancouver. <laughs> so uh, I ended up wow. going over to Vancouver, having a conversation. They showed me what the business was like. They actually took me to a Vancouver Canucks game. They showed me everything. And finally, it got to a point where I was like, okay, well, this is awesome. Um, I'd, I'd love to be part of this. So what does it look like to get involved with something like this? And that was my first, 
I guess, real experience where someone's asked for a substantial amount of money to be a mentor. Now I have lots of mentors that I use, um, but it was a lot of money. And at this point, I didn't have any more money. I had already gotten $50,000 to start this other business that was failing. So, um, of course, um, I had nothing to lose. So I went to the angel investor again and it ended up being six times the amount the very first time. And it ended up working out, gave him the money. I actually ended up surpassing my mentor in revenue and had my first seven figure year. We actually did $1.4 million. And I was like, Oh yeah, it's great. So I moved to Kelowna, bought that, that car, Porsche 911 turbo. I hit the the million dollar mark, the things that I said I was going to be when I was a little kid. And then all of a sudden I was like, now what? <laughs> no different than how I was with all the other places yeah. and all the other jobs constantly, no matter how much I was climbing up the income scale, I was still, when I hit it, I was still unhappy. So I remember I went to Germany and I came back from Germany and I asked for my, I asked for a divorce from my ex. And that was on July. It was actually Canada Day, July 1st, years ago. And uh, I thought it was going to be easy. So there I was. All of a sudden, she was moving away. Took all the kids. Moved back to Nanaimo. I was staying in Kelowna because we bought a house and everything here. And everything kind of crashed um, with myself. I went into, I guess you would consider to be my second peak emotional experience, my second drive to look for the blue pill. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I remembered how I felt from the, the landmark forums. It was funny, actually, just a month and a half ago, I actually found my, my diary from when I actually went to landmark forum in 2010 <laughs> and, uh, all my notes inside oh, wow. of it. So, um, anyways, I, uh, I found this, this program. It was a week long one this time. It wasn't just a couple nights. I stayed in, it was group therapy, figuring out I said, there just has to be something. There's got to be something wrong with me. So I went through it and did some more soul searching, and obviously perspective came again. Um, that would seem to be the moral of the story every single time. And I came home. I started. I felt really good. Um, I felt more empathetic. I felt like I could talk a lot more to people about what was going on. I had more knowledge again. So I had more knowledge consciously. I was like, okay, things are great. Now I start talking about mindset. I'm reading books. I read my very first book by Dr. John Powell. Why am I afraid to tell you who I am? Taught me about what an ego is. And I started on my, that was my first book I ever read. And it gave me new things about perspective. It started giving me a basic understanding of who I was. But even after all that, after like a month, month and a half, two months, let's see, even three months, it, it, it wore off and the blue pill was gone and I was back to the same thing. I was going hard. I was building my social media brand and company and um, teaching people how to do online businesses and um, I had another business as well with my email marketing, affiliate marketing and then another business. So I had three businesses going on and at this time I ended up in another relationship and I wasn't supposed to be able to have any more kids and boom, I ended up having, we ended up having a, a little baby girl. And 
I remember it was December 26, two years ago, actually, just before my 40th birthday. I uh, I woke up and I had double vision. I couldn't see. Everything was was cross-eyed. And I don't I don't like going to doctors. I don't like Western medicine. I don't like any of that stuff. So I was challenged not to go. So I thought, oh, this is a wear off. And sure enough, it didn't. So mm-hmm. I snuck out and talked to my fiance, and I'm like, hey, there's something. I think there's something wrong with me. I'm cross-eyed. Let's take me to the doctor. So she took me to the doctor, and uh, they said, well, you know, go home. Um, we're not sure what's wrong with you, and check, if it gets worse, go to your family doctor. So I went home, and <laughs> sure enough, it got worse. My my head hurt even more, and I became even more cross-eyed. So we went to my family doctor, and uh, <laughs> I went to my family doctor. My doctor did his regular stuff, and he prescribed me a nasal decongestant. I couldn't believe it. So I went and I do all this nasal decongestant. I'm spraying it. It's just not working. My head's hurting even more. So I went back to the, went back. And this time we went to go see a, um, the eye, eye specialist and went in and he looked at me and said, okay, we're going to get you to a neurologist right away. Went to a neurologist and, uh, went on a journey of like tons of tests Man, it was test after test after test, three spinal taps. No one could figure out what was wrong with me. Then finally, on January 11th, which was my 40th birthday, the neurologist came in and said, Jeff, we think we know what it is, but I'm going to pass you on to another guy who's dealt with this before, but we're going to have to put you into emergency right away, and we're going to start giving you IV-8 blood transfusions. So... Yeah, happy, birth- happy, happy birthday. first 40th birthday. Holy. Um, um, wow. Anyways, they speculated that it was going to be that it was Miller-Fisher syndrome, and basically Miller-Fisher syndrome is an autoimmune disease that attacks your um, nerves in your brain uh, for your eyes. And mm-hmm. uh, thank goodness it was curable, and I had no permanent damage from it um, that I know of. And it took three months to recover from it. And at this point, I was running all these businesses. I was burning out, and I still was unhappy. There was no amount of income, stress. My relationship was 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 rocky. And let's just say I had my third peak emotional experience. And this time, I was like, I've been reading. I got all this knowledge. I've gone to all these things. I'm like, where's the blue pill? Is there another blue pill for this? And I was like, mm-hmm. no, Jeff. There isn't. So I was like, okay, so I got all this knowledge. I'm like, there's obviously a pattern here. What's wrong with me? So I decided to go on an obsession with figuring out how the brain operates, what the conscious mind is, the subconscious, the superconscious. And I became a consummate learner of it all. And I kind of summed it up this way. Every single book that I read had so much content and it had so much knowledge but I wasn't able to put any context to it because I had no idea how, how it worked. And when I talk to people, I, I, mm-hmm. I kind of explain it to like this, right? Like, would you ever take your, your, your vehicle into a mechanic and ask him to fix your engine? And he looked at you and said, well, I don't know how engines work, but sure. Would you, would you, would you leave it there? <laughs> no. 
No way. Because we know what he's going to do. He's going to make all the mistakes on f- trying to fix it. Duct tape, you know, maybe some putty, whatever it is, trying to fix it, and eventually it's just going to it's going to break. Well, that was that was that was exactly what was happening to me. I was going to these 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 personal development things and reading these books, and I was getting my dopamine up super high, and consciously I was so excited about all this stuff. But that doesn't create lasting change. It just doesn't. I needed to know how the mind worked. Mm-hmm. So I went after book after book and reading and understanding. And I started I started to understand spirituality and something bigger than myself. And, and I started to understand how the brain worked. I now had the blueprint on how the brain operates. And it also gave me a lot of context on how to forgive everybody in the world. Um, and what I ended up finding out was between the ages of zero and seven, 80% of your identity is built based on the people, places in the world around you. And when you come out of your parent or your mom, in order to become conscious, you have to have something to be conscious of. So we're operating at what they call between zero and two or what we're operating at what they call data that's the lowest Hertz wavelengths that you can get. And we're constantly consuming information at such a rapid pace between zero and two. In fact, by, by four years old, 50% of all of your beliefs are already in place. By seven, 80% in place. By 18, 95%. And this is a fact. Um, beliefs drive behaviors. So... The only thing the only thing I had was to become conscious was to create what I would consider to be a program. But I needed to get that program from somewhere. So it came from my mom, it came from who she said was in authority, school teachers. And in fact, children until they're eight years old don't even have cognitive reasoning. If you ever talk to a kid, you, the, the, you, you always ask why they're so gullible. They have no reasoning. I mean, have you ever tried to reason with a, a little little child that's three years old screaming and having a temper tantrum? <laughs> there is no reasoning. You can, you can interrupt the pattern and, and give them something <laughs> else to focus on, but having a conversation about how they're being silly, about how they're crying and, and trying to reason with them, it just doesn't work. It's, it's, not, it's, not even, it's not even available to them at that age. Exactly. So I instantly was like, okay, so basically... So now I now now I have all this content that I've had from everywhere. Now I was starting to get context behind it. Now I was starting to understand, okay, I am who I am, which makes sense. You know, that's why they always say, why are you so much like your mom? Why are you so much like your dad? Well, no kidding. In order for you to become conscious, you required a program. Mm-hmm. Where are you going to assume your program from? Your parents. <laughs> Most of it. Almost all of it. So... I was like, okay, well, this is fantastic. Now I now I understand why I am the way I am, but how do I fix it? <laughs> and here's reality. 95% of everything we do every single day is coming from the subconscious mind. It's a program that plays behind, and it's mm-hmm. something that we, we've assumed from a young child, most of it between the ages of 0 and 7, in fact, 50% of it between 0 and 4. And I wasn't aware of it. I didn't even know what the pro. In fact, my program or my subconscious um, stories that were were talking to me weren't even mine in the first place. They were what my mom or what she told me 
how they felt about themselves that they put onto me. And because I didn't have cognitive reasoning, I took it as fact. And I assumed that as my belief, my personality. And until you become aware of this, you're, I guess what you would be considered to be part of the matrix, plugged into the matrix. You're just, you're just, you're, you're operating on something that you don't even know is there. You get mad, you don't even know why. But you got mad because of something that happened in your childhood yeah. that you took on. Mm-hmm. So I became a consummate. I was still consistently looking, um, doing research. Um, and there's really only a, th- a few ways that you can reprogram as what they call. And I, I love how we see all these reprograms, but I'll put some context behind it. There's only, there's only three ways to really reprogram your mind, right? And um, there's one is hypnosis, um, and that's what they call theta. It's a low vibration. That's where kids are usually at is theta. They're at a hypnosis state. They're, I mean, that's why you always ask yourself, why are kids learn so fast? Well, of course, they're required to. Um, the next one is um, – peak emotional experience, something so traumatizing or so life-changing that your subconscious mind goes, yeah, I got it. We're not going to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And even then, peak emotional experiences, I find, I've in, even with myself, I found they wore off. I mean, they have to be fa- really, really traumatic, like, some, you know, almost life, life, life-threatening um, stuff that happens where I find that really gets to that point. And then the last one is through repetition. <laughs> And, uh, yes. repetition was the, was the piece that I was like, okay, so if I want to change a program that I wasn't even my program in the first place, I didn't get to choose it. It's not like I chose my mom and then I chose what conversation she had with me. I needed to, I needed mm-hmm. to start, um, start a process. So I started to do my homework on how to be, how to actually create a new program. So in order to be to create a habit. So they're, they're habits. Programs are habits. We're habitual every single day. We have certain processes. Mm-hmm. Most people do a certain way that they brush their teeth. They do a certain way that they wash their hair. You know, they put the shampoo in first and then the conditioner and they have certain steps, right? Every single day. These are habits. They're habitual. And we are creatures of habit. Yes. So in order to make a permanent habit, it takes 66 days and it's locked into the subconscious. And so I started on the journey of why do people meditate? <laughs> What's meditation? Oh, it works. Yeah, it, it does stuff. I was like, okay, so, all right. I started experiencing and learning that as I'm, as I'm doing my meditation and stuff like that, it's putting me um, in a place of being now. It's shutting off my subconscious, not thinking about the future, not thinking about the past and being present in myself right now. Um, and it gives you an opportunity to be calm, mindful. Mindfulness is, is super powerful. The next one thing is, what do I want in life? What do you want in life? Most people don't understand that your subconscious mind is a service mechanism. It knows no difference between good or bad. It just serves you up whatever it is is programmed in its mind. So I needed to create something bigger than myself, and it had to disinclude logic and how. And I'll talk a little bit about logic and how, why it's important to disinclude your vision uh, with logic and how. <sighs> Albert Einstein said, 
logic will get you from A to B, but imagination will get you everywhere. And I just didn't get, I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. It wasn't later, obviously. I was full of all these knowledge and all these sayings, but I didn't have any context behind it. Most people don't know that you have 75,000 thoughts in a day, of which 91% are the same thoughts that you had every single day. Only 9% are outside of that. Those 9% are the difference between reliving what you keep doing every single day and creating something new. The problem with using logic and how to create something bigger than yourself or something greater is logic and how come from the past. And if you take logic and how and you go from the past and you bring it into the future, guess what? You get what you already had. And I had to be willing to go above and beyond that. So I created it. Also, most people don't understand that your brain knows no difference between imagination and reality. Anybody who wants to, um, who thinks that's not true, go on, put on virtual reality goggles and let me know how your central nervous system reacts to it. You don't control. <laughs> In fact, one third of your brain is actually designated to your sight. <laughs> it's like one of your most powerful senses. So I figured out I'm going to, I'm going to create a, a, a visualization of it. And I'm going to start reading it and I'm going to start seeing it every day. And I'm going to go back to where I talked about the Porsche and being a millionaire. Mm -hmm. I visualized that. And we have a piece in our brain that's in our subconscious mind that's called the reticular activating system. And the reticular activating system is a filtration system. And what it does is it filters things that are, from, that are important and not important to you. And in, act, in, in, in actuality drives behavior. So my subconscious mind knew that I wanted a portion, wanted to make a million dollars. So it knew that the only way to do that was with money. So what did I end up doing? I became the best damn salesperson I could be. I want a commodity. Mm -hmm. And I kept pushing. Doesn't mean that it was, I was getting what I wanted out of life, like fulfilling wise, but it knew, but, it, but the subconscious yeah. mind is a service mechanism. That's all it is. It serves you whatever it is that you want. I wanted that. So it knew that the way to do that was to be able to go out and sell, become a, a wanted commodity for, for, for businesses. What I did is I created something bigger for myself, something that was fulfilling. And I mean, my vision goes deep into entrepreneur and entrepreneurship and an entrepreneur school for young children and creating awareness because this world, most people don't even know that they just have a program. In fact, most people don't even know that the movie The Matrix is actually based all on this. Um, if you watch the matrix, Neo is pulled and you know how they, they talk about programs and the matrix, the matrix is the world around us. That's, yeah. that's what we came into. Like when I came out as a baby or when anyone came out a baby, we were just told this is what the world is and you must abide by it. We didn't know any different. We couldn't cognitive mm -hmm. reason. We just seen it as what it is because we're not made aware of anything different. So if you actually watch that movie, it's, it's not an actual movie. It's a documentary. So, so Morpheus is actually the conscious mind. He's the one that's making him aware of everything that's going on out there. The Oracle is the superconscious mind. It's the one that's all knowing. It's the one that's like the intuition, the feeling, the, the driving force above and beyond. And then you'll never guess who the agent is. The, ag the agent's the subconscious mind, the mm. all-powerful one. If you watch in the movie, the agent's so powerful. The subconscious mind, remember, the subconscious mind is in control of 95% of everything you do every single day. Only 5% is conscious. So whatever you consciously mm -hmm. think of on a regular basis, the subconscious goes, okay, I want to take that off the plate of the conscious mind 
So you repeatedly keep doing it. So I'm going to download that program and I'm going to make it part of the subconscious so you don't have to worry about it anymore. So if you actually watch the movie itself, as, as he becomes more and more aware, all of a sudden he starts seeing the agent as he punches, as he throws. And the agent was super fast. He was the one that was kicking his butt. Well, that's how powerful our mm -hmm. thoughts are because our thoughts are our reality, right? This is, this is what we do. And mm -hmm. what ended up happening, if you watch the trilogy at the very, very end, he ends up actually assuming the agent, which means he's now taking control of the subconscious mind because he's aware, he's mindful of what's going on. I'm going to watch that again. I've never thought of it like that. It's exactly what it is. That's what the movie, it's all about the superconscious, the conscious, and the subconscious mind. That's why they talk about everything about programs, programs, programs. We're all programmed. And we didn't even get to choose our program. In fact, the program is what somebody else felt about themselves that they passed on to you. And, and most of the time, our programs are the negative things that we've assumed. Oh, Johnny, you shouldn't do that. Johnny, that sucks. Oh, I'm going to download. Oh, I'm not good enough now. That's mm -hmm. my program. I'm not good enough. So then I have that conversation with myself all the time. That was my program. I wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. So I was looking for constant validation from external stuff to inwardly validate. And the first book that actually opened up my eyes to it um, was uh, Psycho-Cybernetics. If there's a, a book out there, you want the Bible and figuring out why you are who you are, read it. It's, it was written in the 60s, and the, guys, the author is Maxwell Maltz. He was actually a, uh, he was a, he was a plastic surgeon. Wow. And he couldn't understand why he was having all of these people keep coming to him after he made them look exactly the way that they said that they wanted to or, or fix whatever they wanted on them, and they weren't happy. Mm -hmm. So he went on this deep dive to figure it out, case study after case study, looking, after, look, look, looking through everything. And it's reality. It's your self-identity. You can't be anything outside of who you believe yourself to be. If you believe yourself is ugly, there's no amount of plastic surgery that you can do because that internal conversation is constantly saying. And in fact, that conversation was what somebody else who you perceived them saying to you as the actual fact and truth, and you downloaded it yourself. So he, he created this book, and if you go through the book, it gives you tools, a lot of its visualization um, most people don't understand that Michael Jordan became the best basketball player in the world. Lots of people knew that he was actually cut from his high school basketball team because he was too short, but they didn't know what actually was his driving force to become the best basketball player in the world. In fact, one of his best friends, Leroy Smith, made the high school basketball team, and he didn't. And he went back to his room, and he cried, and he vowed that he was going to make those coaches pay for choosing Leroy Smith over himself. Hmm. Remember what I talked about, the reticular activating system. The reticular activating system is what your filtration system and that filtration system, when you're emotionally tied to something so strong, that adversity means nothing anymore. Don't ever mm -hmm. think that Michael Jordan didn't go through struggles and trials and tribulations through his whole basketball career, missing shots, you know, being cut, sitting on the – but he was so driven that there was no amount of adversity. So that's where the, my, my visualization, my vivid vision, my something greater than myself comes because there's still going to be things that are going to come and try and knock you down. But when your things are so emotion, when you're when when you're so emotionally tied to your end result, when those things come, they don't mean anything. Mm -hmm. You're still driven to go get it, and that reticular activating system just filters it and goes, no big deal, keep going. Mm -hmm. 
So he became the best basketball player ever known to mankind because of that. And because I started learning about the brain and how it works and stuff like that, I could actually start using it to my advantage. So now I kind of, I kind of, I kind of say I have like the keys to the engine, the blueprint, and anytime I want to change anything in my life, it's just going to take me visualizing, seeing it, and uh, repeatedly doing it over and over again. If you're not happy, say you're, I say if you're not happy, say I am happy every single day, all day, every day. If you keep saying that, the subconscious mind goes, I guess you're happy. Download. Whatever the conscious mind thinks about on a constant basis over and over again, the subconscious grabs it, goes, I'm going to download that. That is something I'm going to take off your plate, right? When you're driving, when you were very first started to drive, you had to be conscious about the brake. You had to be conscious about the, 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 the gas. You had to be conscious about the left and right ticker and where the stereo was. What happens now? Do you consciously think about touching the gas? No. Do you th- consciously think about the brake or the, or the blinkers? No. That's because the subconscious is the one that's actually operating. It's the one that's saying, hey, let me take it off. And in fact, your nerves, your subconscious mind processes information at 40 million bits per second. Your conscious mind only processes that information at 40. Hmm. You require your subconscious mind to be that way. You know, if an animal is all of a sudden going to dive at you, come at you, you're, you're subconscious mind needs to be ready to go in that fight or flight mode, right? That's the reptilian part of the brain. This is information that's required. So it's a survival, but it's also one of our, our crutches. It's one of our things that, that, that keep us getting from what we actually wanted of life because we assumed a, a story about ourselves that isn't even your story and we keep replaying it over and over and over again. And they don't teach this stuff in school. It mm-hmm. took me going through three emotional experiences of hell before I decided that I needed to really figure this out. And if they taught this stuff, man, you can create anything. This puts all the context. Whatever a man can conceive and believe, he can achieve. Once you understand how the, how the engine works, guess what? Use it to your advantage. I do affirmations every day. I do IMs every day. I know my vivid vision every single day. Your daily routine, what you do, you can literally take a half an hour to 45 minutes to an hour out of your whole entire day and change your life forever. Do it for 66 days straight. I now have business accelerator programs that I work with people, that I show them how to do this, to create a new life within themselves. You don't need to go to psychologists. I'm not a doctor, but I, I might suggest that I know, I know how the subconscious works and I know how the mind works now that anybody can change anything. And you use yourself as a guinea pig so I'd say that's pretty good experience I did and then I ended up actually having case studies and guess what the case studies ended up coming out I had I had case studies that created a vivid vision within that was three years out and within six months they had smashed it and already hitting everything that they want because they were driven there was no amount of adversity they were willing to do whatever they now had it they 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 they, they have their vision they were doing all this stuff. Their subconscious mind, like, so here's the thing. When your conscious mind isn't thinking and if your subconscious is in parallel because your conscious mind is your imagination. It's the thing that gets us in the dopamine. It's the thing that gets us into all these, these things that we really want. But here's the thing. You have a program that does not support that. Mm-hmm. You don't. And if you consciously get yourself excited about something but your subconscious is in charge of 95% of everything you do, how are you going to achieve it? You're not. You're going to what they would consider to be self-sabotage. 
I personally don't believe in self-sabotage. I don't think there's any such thing as self-sabotage because your identity is your identity. Sure, we put on a mask in and we might exceed outside of our identity, self-identity in those moments, but we always go back to our self-identity. Our self-identity is there. So I call it a self-fulfilling prophecy. We will always fulfill the prophecy on who we think we are because who we think we are is what we are. And in fact, self-sabotage, you would actually be sabotaging your identity and becoming somebody completely different because that's mm. what the word sabotage is. Interesting perspective. Mm -hmm. One thing I wanted to ask you about is you have this book you've written about the top 1%. Mm. And I'm really curious if you know what the difference is about how the top 1% perhaps thought as kids to today. It seems like anyone can get to this place you're sharing, but everyone has a different start in life. Uh -huh. Yeah, 100%. So it's a, it's a, that's a great, um, that's a great uh, question. So if anyone's ever read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, goes through the book and it talks about how a young child can grow up in a family that has money and they never have any money problems and how a poor kid can grow up in a house with no money or with no money and they have money problems. And one can be a, a, have a genius IQ and the other one can be, you know, pardon my French, dumb as a, dumb as a board. Mm -hmm. And because the program that he was programmed within those first seven years showed him how to deal with money, how to have money, how to live with money and what the things required to have money, he didn't have to worry about it. And somebody who grew up in struggling with money now has the program that money is a problem. So when we grow up in certain environments, right? So there are some people that have that environment where money is never an issue. That's not the all end fulfilling, by the way. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's something bigger than yourself that you require. But most of the people that I know that are in the top 1%, they do all this stuff. They do the meditation. Some of them don't even know how the brain works, but they just took it from a mentor and they said to do it. And coincidentally, when you do something repeatedly over <laughs> and over and over again, guess what? Your subconscious mind goes, all right, yep, that must be the truth. The conscious mind keeps thinking about it. Let's take it off the plate. Let's make that the truth. That's all it does. It serves you whatever it is you want. Whatever you do over and over and over again, it goes, it's, I got to take that off his plate because it runs at 40, it, it runs at 40 million bits per second. And the conscious mind runs at 40. Could you imagine if you had to stop and think for, of everything that you did in your life walking, you had to consciously watch yourself walk. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it, it would be, it'd be ridiculous, right? So it's crazy. So, so a lot of the top 1%, this is what they're doing. What's your habits? What are your routines? What are you doing? What are you doing to get yourself up every single day? I get up and I meditate every single morning at 5, 5.30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. I hear say my affirmations and I hear them in my voice and I play them back. I say my IMs every single day. I read all the time. I'm a consummate learner and I apply them to my life. And anybody in their lives can change it. Here's the thing. Your subconscious mind, you require a program. So when you're going through this, it's going to struggle. Your subconscious is going to throw the, oh, we don't need to do that today. Let's procrastinate it. It's annoying. Mm -hmm. Because your brain, so most people don't know this as well, your brain only has two functions, to keep you alive and keep you safe. Anything that, and here's the thing, safety is emotionally and physically. But your central nervous system and everything knows no difference between the two. It acts the same way emotionally or, um, or physically. And prime example, Harvard University did... Um, a study uh, for karaoke, of all things. And they, they, they measured the cortisol levels when people went out to go sing it, and it was like a, a cougar was about to attack them. 
Oh, I could imagine. The, the judgment from everyone going around it, right? Yeah. So because because our body knows no difference, anything that frustrates us or is out of the norm or things that um, are difficult, if we're not emotionally attached, then what happens is we get frustrated. And then when we get frustrated, what do you think happens? Our brain goes, hey, we don't like frustration. My job is to keep you safe, safe emotionally and physically. If you're getting frustrated, it's not something that you should keep doing. So when you're starting off and doing these new things, understanding that that's going to happen, procrastination is literally a safety mechanism of your brain to go, ah, it's not important to you, don't do it. It's going to be frustrating. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, I, I kind of, I kind of call it like the exorcist. The first three weeks, you're literally exhuming your uh, identity and replacing it with a new one. And your identity is fighting itself to stay there because it's what it knows. You require an identity. It's kind of like a fight or flight response. It's going to do everything to create chaos because it's, it's going to a place that you don't know. But what I can tell you is after th- four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, you're like, oh, you become a different person completely. Okay, last question I want to ask you. You've said a couple times there's uh, something bigger than yourself. Mm. I'm curious if you would like to share with us what that is to you and how that plays into all of this. Yeah, so the something bigger than myself is the the, the key to change in this world is first off awareness. Mm-hmm. And I believe it starts with the young children. So my vision is to create an entrepreneur school, but not what you would consider to be entrepreneur, like just strictly business, but people that want to create stuff. Mm-hmm. One that, that promotes emotional intelligence, one that um, puts them in connection with the, Um, right side of the brain, the conscious creative side, not telling them that, you know, I'm going to measure you based on um, this square hole, but you're round. Let's see you stuff as many of these round pegs into this square hole. And then we're going to measure how good you are based on that. It's ridiculous. It doesn't work. And showing them that they can achieve anything that they put their mind to and literally giving them tools, allowing them to understand how the engine works from a young age. I mean, these tools, if these were taught from a young child, I I can guarantee you the ripple effect would change in the world. And here's the thing, having them come to the school and then the parents have to be part of the program as well because you can't take the kids and then bring them home and be operating on the old programs because Mm -hmm. you guess what? You're just going to reset them. So creating a generation of, of, of new people of awareness that they can create anything that they want in their lives and the only thing that's stopping them is that bullshit story that's going on in their head, literally. And that story isn't even your story. It's a story that you assumed from somebody else between the ages of zero and seven, likely. That's awesome. That's a great dream, a great vision. It's going to be. I know it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know it's going to be. It's. Just, I can vividly go into heavy detail about how everything's going to operate because I see it, right? And that's a piece, like that driving force. That's all I, I think about, entrepreneur, entrepreneur, entrepreneur school. Like That goes on. My subconscious mind is constantly thinking about that. Well, everybody, you've been listening to Jeff Hughes. You can find him at jeffhughes.com. All the show notes will be there, everything you've mentioned, the books, the shows. Can I ask you to share with us your favorite book and podcast, Jeff? Yeah, um, Psycho-Cybernetics is, is uh, very powerful right now. I'm um, also addicted to uh, Bruce Lipton. He's sort of like my, I shouldn't say like hero, but like just his his what he understands and what he knows and what he shares is so reality quantum physics, but that would be a whole other story that we would get into. But the biology of belief, 
and how genetics don't actually epigenetics, how genetics actually don't, um, they don't rule your life. It's actually your environment that triggers your genetics. So love that. Um, is that a podcast or book? No, that's biology. Belief is a book. My favorite podcast is Ed Milet. That guy tells it the way it is. He's open. He's honest, very powerful with his message. Um, I feel definitely in line with what he's saying and he doesn't ask for anything out of it. That is fantastic. Okay, Jeff, well, if anyone's listening and they want to connect with you to either learn more about the programs you have or more about the work that you do or they find this idea of a school interesting, let them know how to connect with you. And if you want to leave off with any parting words of guidance, the mic is all yours. Yeah, I guess uh, you can read, you can find me on my, my website. There's a contact page. Um going to be launching a bunch of stuff you're going to start seeing me on facebook you're going to start seeing me on instagram i've been compiling a lot of like videos and content and stuff like that um for that and taking the next generation of entrepreneurs that's my next thing is taking people how to build an online business but getting the other pieces in place i won't work with anybody that doesn't get the other pieces in place because i can't stand back and watch people fail knowing what i know so I kind of call it the God. I call I call it I call it a gift or a curse, because here's the thing: once you have it, once you're aware, the worst thing that you could ever do is go through your life and be on your deathbed at 78 years old and not have what you wanted in life and be in regret of all the things that you didn't have, knowing that you knew how to actually do it. That's the crazy thing. So that's one of the other pieces that I do that I'm going to be launching and showing people how to build an actual real online business, but from the mindset stuff first in place and uh yeah you can find me on facebook instagram linkedin a lot of stuff being pushed out with that and uh my famous uh my i guess my my thing that um drives me every day is you were born to make a difference thank you for listening to this interview with jeff it's so interesting to deep dive into the subconscious mind and not only the knowledge that he shares but the journey that he brings There's something that is so inspiring about listening to someone's journey where they have learned really the hard knocks way. And hopefully there's something that you can take from this interview today to help you to achieve the life of your dreams. Thanks again for listening and I'll be back again next week with another interview here on Synergy Mindset Coaching.